Welcome to the latest episode of the Woke Antidote Podcast and TV. I'm coming out hot tonight. We have just gotten news that Tucker Carlson is restarting his show on Twitter, which if you are a loyal listener of the Woke Antidote Podcast, you did hear me discuss and predict on the show, on our last show, I think it's 34 minutes and about 45 seconds into the last show I said that, but... Man, I am so pumped we're getting untethered Tucker. There was rumors out there that he might be silenced until 2025 because of his Fox contract. That seems to be totally done. And look, TB, I mean, we started this podcast, what, you know, a year and a half ago. And one of the, the main themes was free speech. We talked early on. We, we talked Joe Rogan on Spotify was being silenced. And we talked the, uh, the truckers in Canada were being silenced for the donations. So... It comes back around. We now have complete free speech, or at least as much as we've had in a long time on Twitter. It's the perfect opportunity for Tucker to really grow that video platform. Matt Walsh, he's moved a show from YouTube to Twitter as well because YouTube banned his show. So I think not only from a business perspective, Twitter's got a really interesting uh, potential revenue source here with a lot of these uh, conservative guys coming on over. This is amazing for free speech, and I, I am so pumped for this show and to see what a non-Fox Tucker is really like. <laughs> I knew you'd be pumped about this, SB. Uh, I, I'm just as pumped as well. And, you know, credit to you, you, you did call this. Um, you know, you've been saying this on the show. You've been saying this to me privately. Uh, and I think all signs pointed to it. I think we saw the first domino with, Matt Walsh from the Daily Wire when he was deplatformed from YouTube for saying, uh, you know, a man can't be a woman. Uh, and he was forced off of YouTube. So he had to take a show to Twitter. And I just looked at the, the his Twitter followers. Matt Walsh is a 1.8 million uh, followers. Tucker Carlson's at 6.9. Um, there's a, a nice joke to be made there. Um, but uh, he's he has. 6x or you know close to that my math's not too good but uh he has multiples more followers than uh than uh, matt walsh so now you have these two big personalities who are moving their shows to twitter and sb i think you raised a good point is you know there's clearly a a fit here there's a demand to bring uh free speech and you know you know in this case conservative views to to the twitter platform so who knows, maybe Elon sees us and decides to start investing in Twitter as, you know, beyond a social media platform, but also a, you know, a video and uh, news media platform. Uh, and, you know, Elon, since he acquired the company, he's always had some like big visions for what Twitter could become. Um, he talked about uh, creating the all-in-one uh, app that Twitter would be a part of, Um and, you know, I, I could see this very well being a, you know, a step in that direction. So really, really, really exciting. And I think you're absolutely right, SB. Tucker, I said in the last episode, um, Tucker was always kind of like an odd fit for Fox because he kind of dabbled in conspiracy and also was willing to call out the right. And no one else in the show did it. You know, Sean Hannity is a mouthpiece for the GOP. And whereas Tucker Carlson would have very thought provoking segments uh, and call things out. Um, so I think, you know, you know, within the, the realm of Fox, he, he could only go so far because he ultimately had to answer to his Fox overlords. I, I think you're absolutely right on Twitter. I think we're going to see like the real Tucker Carlson and just hear hear him shoot straight from the hip. So I'm super pumped for that. Yeah, and look, the, the business case works for this because, I mean, very simplistically, if we want to go cautious and say that he can get a million subscribers at five bucks a month, I mean, that's 60 million bucks a year. Yeah, there is some overhead there in terms of paying his staff and whatnot, but even if it's 50% margin on that, that's him making 30 million bucks a year, which I think his Fox contract was 20 million. So he's making more money, which is great. And then the other part of it is that I think he can do way more than this. I mean, I think he can do – he can probably charge more than that. He could probably get more people subscribing. He's going to reach a brand new audience that doesn't have cable. If you think about Fox News, 
they're in about maybe 70, 75 million American homes because that's what the cable bundle is in. There's 130 million homes in the U.S. So he's expanding his audience reach by being on Twitter. And then I think certainly like what 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 Tucker will do and like what I think what's going to happen on Twitter is that you're going to have maybe, you know, he can tweet out something that's five minutes that's sponsored. So he makes money on that video. And if you like that content, then very easy click of a button, pay five bucks to subscribe to Tucker um, himself. So I think that works. And then one of the things I was thinking about, too, is if if Elon really wants to kind of get aggressive with this um, and maybe it, it, it even wouldn't be Elon, maybe it would be Elon serving as the platform and he doesn't get involved. But maybe there's some other other people here. You can invest in Tucker and you could say, let's say Tucker says, you know, like Bill Simmons did this, for example, when he did the ringer. If Tucker says, let me let's make a company and I'll. I'll have the Tucker Carlson company will raise, you know, 5 million bucks, 10 million bucks at a hundred million dollar valuation. Well, then Tucker's got some money to play with in terms of not only not only doing his show, but the documentaries that he, he does so well um, going around the world, maybe hiring more staff to get even even kind of more intense on some of these stories. So there, there's so much that he can do. He's probably only scratching the surface. But ultimately, look, like we want that hour long piece of content every night, giving us the information that we need. And you were totally right. He went past what he could do at Fox because he was willing to call out the Lindsey Grahams of the world that 10 minutes after that were shilling, shilling their campaign on Hannity. I mean, it was always so hilarious, but ridiculous whenever that happened. So that's over with now. He doesn't have to do that. He could be more aggressive. And I think we both know, like, Tucker is a really smart guy. You know, we knew that he was planning something for sure. This is going to be really impressive. And I think he'll be smart enough to, you know, he will use Twitter for the time being. But I'm sure that if there is other avenues for him to have the show, he can do that too. But, yeah, I mean, I, I was just, I mean, as, as you can probably tell the listeners, like, I'm pumped. I've been pumped for two hours now. We're, we're recording this two hours after the news drop, and I'm still pumped. And, um, yeah, it just, uh, it's, it's a great day TV. It's a great day. <laughs> I'm happy for you. Uh, I know you're, you're a big Tucker fan and, um, you know, SB and I were talking about this right before we recorded, but, um, I like, we said this on the previous episode, but, uh, you know, this is definitely going to be the death of Fox news. Like we both have stopped watching Fox, um, and SB is like you are much more of an avid Fox uh, watcher than I than I was, but I would still w- watch it a decent amount. But you know, I checked in on Fox the other day, and it just seems like a totally foreign channel. Um, it definitely seems like they're the show is addressed towards people fifty five years or older, and you know, I don't mean to insult people who, who you know who are hopefully our listeners who are in that age group <laughs> like you know there there's certainly a place for that but you know you're just you're when you're thinking about the future of a massive media network um you definitely have to connect with with young uh listeners because they will be the future of your audience base um so you know going on fox now they really don't have that enticing um uh, personality that's going to make you want to stick around uh it's like pretty boring stuff like i like i've said before i'm not a fan of sean hannity i i think he's a mouthpiece for the gop so you know i want someone who's going to make me think differently and critically and that's what tucker did and those are big shoes to fill and i just don't see fox doing that and sb i think you said it well when you and i were talking privately but you know, I think Fox will become a CNN, but it is no longer going to be the Fox News that we know. Yeah, exactly. Because because Fox, I think they've made they probably make like double the profits that <clears throat> CNN and MSNBC do just because they're they generate so much in ratings. But yeah, so we we tweeted out a uh, I what I had done is I had screenshotted the the week that the last week that Tucker was there, the ratings. And then the first week that Tucker was out and basically what happened is Tucker usually gets call it around three and a half million viewers. And then Sean Hannity and Jesse Waters both around three million. And then the five will be around three point five million as well. So very similar to Tucker. 
what it what it is now is the five, which isn't even a Tucker lead in. That's gone from about three point five million to two point seven, two point eight million. Hannity and Jesse, they're down to two million. So they've they've lost a million a million at least uh, of their viewers, and then the eight p.m. hour that's basically lost two million viewers. That's in the mid one million viewers a night. So this is this is a complete disaster for Fox. Their ratings just totally sinking. Shout out to Zero Hedge. We got into an article by them with that tweet, which I'm pumped about. Big big fans of Zero Hedge on here, um, and so I think that. Fox is going to realize they made a mistake, but they're not going to get Tucker back. I mean, you know, water, you know, this is, this is dead. He's dead to him. Um, but I think, yeah, I mean, you've nailed it when you've said it's, it's the 55 plus network. It was that anyway. And now we're going to have all these young people subscribing to Tucker and just sharing all the great content he has, which is going to be even better content than he's putting at Fox. So yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm pumped. Um, and and actually, to uh, to maybe transition this, so he was talking about in his video um, today, kind of saying that the news was pretty extremely fake, and a lot of the time they're very devious about how they're fake. They leave out uh, parts of the story that would change the point of the story. And what better example of this? is the recent subway case of Jordan is Achille is is uh, it the guy that Jordan Neely Jor- Jordan Neely yeah so what what better story and look like TB me and you we have been on the New York subway plenty of times we have seen and we have experienced and had to deal with people like this that are a nuisance they're dancing on the subway you know they're trying to make money they're coming very close to sometimes hitting people that don't want to be hit. They're cause they're rude, they're causing a nuisance. And let's think about this guy. He was arrested so many times prior to this. I mean, this guy shouldn't have been out uh free. It's due to extremely weak laws in New York, uh city of New York State that he's actually out there, but he shouldn't have been out there. And of course from the media we get totally one side of the story. We get no context for people that, that don't live in New York City and don't have the understanding that, like me and you do, may, maybe they would believe some of what the media is saying in terms of what's going on here. But no, we we know this. We've lived it. We can talk about it. These people are, are really – I mean annoying is putting it best, but they can be very harmful. And And this is just one type of – you know, quote unquote subway guy. I mean, there's there's the subway guy that's the homeless person living living in a in part of a subway car. There's the subway guy that um clears out the entire car because of a stench emanating from a variety of potential places. I mean, there is there is so much unsafe uh actions going on in the subway, not to mention crimes going on and people getting shot and people getting hit with a variety of, of weapons on the subway. So I, I don't want to hear the media being totally one-sided and trying to claim that, th- you know, this is an act of, I mean, they're basically calling it a hate crime, um, which is completely absurd. I don't want to hear that. Um, and I just, it's just, an, it's an unfortunate part of the media where in an ideal society, I, I would like to think that we can have kind of a conversation above the political lines and say, this guy was clearly a, a criminal and or mentally ill. You know, either he should have been in jail or he should have been in a mental institution. He should not have been on the street after after all the crimes. And in general, you know what? Let, let's address this problem that we have in New York City. And I mean, we clearly have it in a lot of other of these cities, but talking New York City specifically, let's address this problem where you see a lot of these people on the subway. You see a lot of homeless people in the subway, in the subway station sleeping. You see a lot of homeless people in general. You see a lot of drug users in general. Let's have a conversation about how the, how to best solve that problem. But instead, the story like this is not used to solve the problem. The story like this is to make an example of how, you know, a certain group of people are bad people. So, you know, not to be unexpected, TB, but it's just very unfortunate that this is kind of where the conversation has devolved to in 2023. Yeah, I, I, that was very well said, SB. And 
I have a couple of comments on this. Uh, one on uh, just the, you know, the life of a subway rider in New York City. And secondly, uh, Jordan Neely uh, specifically. So first, you know, about being a subway rider, um, the entire media reaction and all the hot takes that we're seeing, it is extremely obvious to me as someone who works in New York City and you know, has taken the subway thousands of times at this point, um, these people are clearly not from the area because any person who lives in the New York City area absolutely knows how common it is to go onto a normal subway and at some point along your ride, a homeless person will go onto the train and start panhandling for money and begging. In most cases, they are fine and they just, you know, yes, they might make you uncomfortable because they go up to you and they don't smell too good and um, you, know, you don't know what they're going to do. But uh, for the most part, they're not there to hurt anyone. You, they ask for money, you just either ignore them or say, no, sorry, and they move on. That is, in my experience, that happens a majority of the time. But there have been other cases where you have people who get very angry. And if you say no to them, they start cursing at you. They start saying, uh, you know, racist, sexist things, violent things, uh, threatening to beat you up uh, or kill you. Uh, that's happened to me multiple times, actually. Um, they, uh, they get very aggressive. There's other people who are clearly on drugs and or mentally ill, and they just start screaming on the subway. And it causes everyone in the subway car to be very scared and unsettled because what happens when you're in the subway is you're trapped because sometimes the subways don't stop off at every single block you know they it takes uh you know some are express and there's a good bit of time before they make a stop and that's usually when these folks enter the subway car because they know that's their uh, their optimal time to to get money um but when you're on the subway car in such a confined space and there's a person who's clearly mentally unwell and or on drugs it's very, very scary because you have no idea what they're going to do. You, you're constantly in a state of, of panic because you, you're starting to think in your head, planning for, you know, what, you know, if they were to do something, like think of all the multitude things that, that could be happening or could happen and how you would respond to that. Um, it's, it's, it's sad. And it's gotten so bad that someone who in a normal world, I would take the subway to work because there's a subway stop right by my office. It'd be very, very convenient. But instead I have to walk it because I would rather avoid taking the subway. And it's, it's insane because I hear so many other of my friends and coworkers who say the same thing that they have just stopped taking the subway altogether and just walking instead because it's too dangerous. And it reminds me so much of people like in San Francisco who've become so used to living this way that they they just take it for granted like there's no one stop you know pausing to stop and say wait why why is it okay that we don't take public transportation because we're we're scared of getting killed or hurt or threatened maybe we should address that and do something about that but instead we've just gotten so accustomed to it and we just deal with it um so you got you got that angle and then very very recently there's been cases of people pushing people onto the tracks to kill them. There's been stories of people getting killed or, or in other stories of people getting you know, hurt or you know, in other cases, people have been stopped or been unsuccessful in pushing people onto tracks. But this has been a, a recent trend. This has been happening a lot in the city over the past few months. And that's another reason why I don't take the subway or if I do, I stand in the middle of, of the, uh, the platform and I'm constantly looking around me to see if there's potential threats. And I hate that I have to live that way, but that's just the reality that we live in. So it like pisses me off when I see all these people talking about this and, you know, just having these insane takes because it's so obvious they're not from the New York City from New York City or that they don't take the subway all that often. Like someone like AOC who takes uh, who racks up taxpayer money charging Ubers. And that's actually proven. And I'm happy to provide the article where she was exposed doing so. Um, but if not taking Ubers on the taxpayer dime, she's taking, uh, you know, private black cars also on the, on the taxpayer dime uh, with security. And so it's, it's pretty rich hearing from her uh, about subway etiquette. Um, so that, that's, that's one angle I wanted to address. But the second about Jordan Neely specifically, 
um, before I even get into the events of what happened, uh, I think ultimately it was his case is a tragic example of the government failing him. There's mm-hmm. been so many times where you have, when you look in New York City and you see so many m- mentally unwell people and they're clearly in, in need of help. Um, and what happens is instead of sending them to the right facilities to get treatment, they send them to jail and they book process them real quick. And then within minutes, they're back on the streets. And as you called it out, this guy has a CVS receipt worth <laughs> of crime, of, you know, of, of arrests. Um, he actually had an active warrant out for his arrest. He had, was charged with kidnapping a seven-year-old kid, uh, a seven-year-old kid, and then also punching a 67-year-old woman in the face. So this was no saint. Um, this was a, someone who was very clearly mentally unwell. Um, and th- there was a great graph I saw on Twitter where it was showing the amount of people being sent to mental hospitals versus uh, prisons. And they were in a complete inverse of one another, where the amount of people being sent to prisons was skyrocketing and, me- and mental uh, health uh, hospitals you know, depleting year after year. And it shows that we just are our entire justice system is failing. We are not we are not addressing this in the right way. And also, when we send them to prison, we're not giving them adequate. If they are going to be charged with a crime, we don't give proper sentences because there's so many, so many stories of people committing heinous crimes and being sent back on the street to to commit even more heinous crimes. So it's an absolute failure of the New York City judicial system. Um, and he was a victim of that. He, you know, he was ne- he was failed consistently throughout his life, and it's it's sad, but it's no excuse for his behavior. Um, and that's and this is not all to say that being choked out um, and you know suffocated is you know death is not the answer. I'm not saying that's that's what should have been hap- happening. However, this guy was clearly causing enough of a disturbance that three people felt compelled to restrain him. And also, this is another reflection of a, fail, of a failure of the New York City judicial system, because where the hell were the cops? Why did it take three citizens, three subway riders having to jump into action to do something about it when, you know, when the police could have done it if they were there? So that, that's a big, big reflection of that. And, you know, ultimately, my final point on this is it's insane that this is turning into a, a the next George Floyd story, SB. It's, it's insane that this has become racialized because the person who had him in the chokehold was white and the and Jordan Neely is black. It was very obvious if you watch the videos that they were trying to restrain him uh, until the cops were able to come. And actually, thank God that we have Elon Musk running Twitter because a new video emerged just the other day that for sure would have been suppressed by Yoel Roth and the previous regime at Twitter that showed actually that the Marine who had subdued uh, Jordan Neely actually put him into the recovery position um, to help him get air back into his lungs. If this was someone who truly was a, a, a malicious murderer, do you really think he would have stayed behind to make sure that his uh, arms were behind his head so he could get uh, proper oxygen and making sure that his head was, uh, you know, w- was supported? Uh, you know, I, that doesn't sound like a murderer to me. And also the media conveniently ignores that there was a black man also involved with restraining him. Um, but that that's not getting any attention. It's, you know, they, they become fixated on a, you know, a, a white on black, quote unquote, crime. So it, it's an absolute joke that this has become a racial thing. Uh, like this was not a white person going out to kill a black person. This was someone trying to help his fellow passengers uh, from someone who's cre- clearly deranged and cr- making people feel uh, you know, unsafe. And all this is, uh, that's going to happen out of this SB is that the next time a, a situation like this happens, no one's going to speak up. No one's going to help. People will see someone getting attacked or threatened and do nothing about it because they don't want to become the next guy who's going to be potentially g- going to jail for trying to protect others. Um, so that's the sad state of affairs that we live in. But yeah, this story really gets me heated because you know, if you know, being from this area, I know the truth. I know what how life is here, and it's insane for people to pretend it's otherwise. Yeah, I you you really covered that really well, and just you know, kind of kind of briefly, you you saying that that name, Yuel Roth, 
I mean, that, you know, we have come so far in such a little amount of time with Elon and Twitter because you're right. I mean, none, we would not have been able to hear the other side of the story from basically anywhere but, I would say, Tucker. Like, Tucker would be the one guy on Fox investigating the story more in depth, but it wouldn't have been available on Twitter. There's no way they would have allowed that. And now what we're seeing, I love this on Twitter, is that the community notes feature is basically the complete 180 from Twitter itself censoring before. So Twitter before would either censor a post uh, or they would have a comment on it. Now we're seeing, you know, hashtag at the gaslighting, which we've done on this podcast for so long. It's harder to find epic gaslighting now because community notes is going to correct this before um, the tweet gets big. And then and we've, we've seen this a lot recently. So, yeah, you're totally right that like already we're seeing with this story, the tr- more truth is coming out because we actually have a free town square unlike we did previously. So, yeah, that that's just a, a, a great element in the story. But you're right. I mean, they're they're trying to point to this with the racial thing. It's very clearly not. I mean, speaking of the racial thing, um, Elon responded to a tweet from this end wokeness account, which, I mean, they're crushing it lately with some of the stuff they had. And it, it was basically just a, a tweet of, uh, you know, racial crimes in terms of white and black, black and white, whatever. Um, and, you know, everyone can see the tweet for, their, for themselves. There's a variety of different groups committing different crimes at different rates against other groups. But the point of the tweet was to say that the media is so focused on white on black crime that it, it, it makes that such a story. And for people that believe the media, then that leads them to believe this country is just this incredibly racist country at heart, which it's not. And it leads to people disliking each other, not trusting each other, um, really hard to live in the same society together. And And we talk about it off the show, but you know, increasingly, like it's 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 very difficult to to think that some of these people that have the the complete one eighty views as us, it's difficult to to kind of envision living in the same country with them for the foreseeable future. I mean, as sad as it is to say, so hopefully, with Twitter being free speech now, we get we get uh, a lot better information coming out, and and that would be such a good thing. But um, to, to move on here, I mean, and I want to give you the floor in this because you've got a personal stake in this. Um, speaking of trying to make things racial, we have a new mass shooting and CB, apparently it's it's the rise of the white supremacist Hispanics once again. So um, TB, what do you have to say for yourself? You're, you're uh, Hispanic racist, now white supremacist. Yeah. I mean, this goes back to one of our first big episodes that we've had on this show um, where I talked about being a conservative Hispanic and all the, all the stereotypes that come up along with that. But we've seen there before I get into the story of the shooting, we've seen recently where there's been a trend of Hispanics who are now increasingly starting to vote right. And I've explained that as a Hispanic, why that is. Um, a lot of Hispanics are, um, they're, they're very Christian, so they have deep religious views. Um, and traditionally, religious views do align well with the Republican Party. So they see some uh, you know, resemblance there, familiarity. So um, there's that angle. There's also uh, people from South America um, who have gone through the immigration process, who have waited. They have escaped socialist and communist governments and have seen how bad it's been and they want to move to america to you know give their themselves and their kids and future generations a better life than themselves and their parents and grandparents had back at home so uh, a lot of them get very deeply upset when they see america now embracing very socialist and communist ideas the very same ideas that they fled so you have those two angles, SB, that makes them increasingly start look, you know, having more conservative views and starting to vote more, uh, more on the on the right. And we saw this, we saw this pretty uh, recently in the midterms, where 
Ron DeSantis completely crushed the Hispanic vote in Florida. Um, he had the highest Hispanic turnout than any other candidate in history, I believe. And um, and also in the last general election, Trump actually did very well within the Hispanic community compared to his predecessors. So we're seeing this trend here. The, the stats are bearing out. Um, so the way that the left has tried to counter this now where they, you know, again, I always talk about this. The, the left always plays identity politics, which, in, in my opinion, is is racist. Um, they historically have looked at Hispanics as uh, you know, people of color within, you know, within a minority class. So they assumed that they would vote Democrat. And now that they are starting to branch out and more are starting to vote Republican, uh, they are now getting ahead of that by controlling the narrative and saying that there is a white supremacist movement within the Hispanic community, <laughs> which is me even just saying that is ridiculous. Um, so this story uh, of the shooter in, in Allen, Texas, um, is just like that, where they are now saying that this person was bearing the badges of a of a white supremacist uh, clan, and he ha- was sympathetic towards Nazis, had Nazi tattoos. Um, he, well, you know, was sympathetic towards Trump and you know, other Republican figures. So they're they're blaming this on Republicans naturally. Um, if you look at a picture of the shooter, uh, as well as his name, he's very clearly a Mexican person um, or of Mexican descent. And it's even more evidence of it because when the cops went to speak to his parents, they needed a, a translator because they only spoke Spanish. So this was not a white person. This was a Mexican person. This was a Hispanic person. So it's it's absolutely ridiculous that they're trying to turn this into a, a race angle here. Not to mention that the victims were majority white and Asian. I, yeah. So uh, if he is a truly white supremacist, then um, I, you know, he's a very bad one because he is not targeting uh, other races. So, um, you know, but of course let's, we can't let facts get in the way of a good narrative. Can we? Um, but something that upsets me even more than this SB is that, we are over a month removed from the Nashville sh- uh, shooting where a transgender woman k- killed uh, six people, including a uh, majority of them children. And we still have not seen the manifesto. They are trying to hide the story. But within 24 hours of the shooting, we immediately know this guy's motivations and his manifesto. So um, it's, a, it's a little hypocritical. Um, and also, if I want to extend to another example, we still don't know the Supreme Court leaker of the Roe v. Wade decision. So it's very it's, it's very transparent when the media and the left want to know and find out what the source and the motivation for a act of violence is uh, when it's something that they're against. But when it's someone within their side, they're very quick to hide it. And we have to call bullshit on that uh, because it's, it's absolutely disgusting and it, it's completely hypocritical. Yeah, isn't isn't that a little bit too convenient how when there's something that happens from the the right, apparently, I mean, instantaneously, we know everything about the, this person, so-called their the motivations, the, the tattoos, which I mean, people are speculating that they may have been recent. Um, we instantly know everything we need to know and it's blasted everywhere. But like you said, it's been almost a month for the, the, the previous shooting manifesto, and, and they have it. I mean, you know, if this was on the other side, you'd have New York Times, Washington Post. I mean, basically the regime media, if you want to call it, um, they, they'd be posting articles every single day saying it's time to get that manifesto. But, of course, they're not doing it from the other side. And this story, this reminded me, too, of, um, you know, so I've got a – I'm on Twitter with Woke, but I have a, 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 an account that I follow uh, financial people because that's what I do for, for work. So I, I follow people in the investments industry. And there's somebody that tweeted that I saw the article that there is um, like a bit there is a shooting in Texas and it was it was near the border. It didn't include that in the headline. But basically, the, the point of the article was that there was a shooting. Someone shot his neighbor um, over over some sort of issue with uh you know, some sort of disagreement that the person just had a gun, shot their neighbor. 
So, you know, this this financial person, what, what have you, they commented on it, trying to make kind of like a joke about Americans with their guns and, you know, hey, we, we should be able to live in a country where we can shoot our neighbors. So like some kind of kind of asshole joke, whatever. But you, you go to the story, you click in, it's an illegal immigrant that did this. So this is right by the border. And there was another thing that that reminded me of, too, where someone was tweeting this last night. There's a New York Times story about the border uh, yesterday, and there are commenters in the New York Times, you know, so they they have to subscribe. They have to pay. Um, They're, you know, very liberal. Um, They're writing these pretty, you know, serious points. And the message is they're very Democrat, but they might actually vote Republican because the border is totally out of control. So the border story, that's one example of it's at least for people in, in a certain part of the of the country where either they're near the border or the migrants are being shipped to their towns, they can kind of go above the media propaganda because they're aware um, that, you know, what they're what they're being said, they're being lied to. Now, these people aren't going to assume the media is lying about anything else. They're just going to assume this one thing. But then in terms of the mass shootings, like we still have a lot of people that will fully believe the media propaganda and the narrative. And, you know, they're just kind of lost in that narrative. And they're going to keep believing that this country is this incredibly racist place where if you're a minority, you've got to always be on protection. Well, you know, in general now, if you are in a city, whether you're white, Hispanic, whatever minority you are, um, you do have to be on protection because the Democrat policies in these major cities have turned them into complete shitholes. And, you know, whether it's a mass shooting or not, whether it's a homeless person, um, I think I saw it recently. There was a college baseball game where somebody was grazed with a bullet right outside the stadium. So, I mean, it's, it's the lawlessness. I want to go back to what you said earlier as well, where like you you're on the subway or you're, you're walking and you can't believe that, you have to live this way. I mean, I totally agree. And this is, you know, this is the sign of this downfall of this country where we are, we are accepting that we're living this way. This is, this is not right. So I don't want to accept that every single mass shooter, if it's coming from the left, um, we forget about it immediately. And if it's coming from the right, it's immediately used for political purposes. I want to rise above that. I want to discuss what is actually the cause of the people wanting to commit mass shootings in the first place. This is unbelievable. This is a huge crisis that our kids of the country want to do this. And I think it's something that me and you've done in this podcast a lot, but it's really, it's really nowhere else. So let's actually talk about the mental health crisis. Let's talk about the negatives of society, but instead, you know, whatever, however we want to talk about the media, whether they're being rewarded for being divisive whether there's nefarious people running these companies that want the country to be divided, whatever you think, and it's probably a combination of a lot of things, um, this kind of language around these mass shootings is just so bad for the country. So, yeah, TV, like, I don't, I don't really know what else we do here, but I just, it, it's, it's infuriating. And, and especially for what you said, I mean, we, and we covered this so well with the Hispanics um, and kind of the new white nationalists. That they're going that you listed off the reasons of why they're going after Hispanics now. I mean, as as soon as the Hispanics started shifting right in terms of their political persuasion, I mean the the gloves are off and they they pull stuff like this. So yeah, it's disgusting, it's sickening, but you know, unfortunately, it's kind of to be expected at this point. I mean, just to make this point even clearer, that there's obviously uh, you know our politicians are intentionally trying to racially divide us and stir up anger in this country. Uh, there's great example, the, the Nashville shooting, right? The victims' families have yet to be invited to the White House. However, Joe Biden has invited the Tennessee Three, these three legislators who, create, who created a, a huge ruckus uh, in the Tennessee chamber when they were voting again, you know, about you know, this very, very issue, um, three people who broke with quorum, they were they were invited to the White House, um, a, a separate issue where a an innocent, an innocent boy 
was looking for a friend, I think, or a relative and knocked on a, a neighbor's door. And this old man shot at him with a shotgun. And, and luckily, this boy survived. Um, this boy did nothing wrong, as all as far as we know from the story. Um, but um, his family was invited to the White House. And that's great. Like, like, sure, like, absolutely. But, the, you know, this boy was black. And, um, you know, his family was invited to the White House. However, the families of the Tennessee shooting who were white, um, these innocent school children, their families have not been invited to the White House. Um, you know, it, it, you know, a, a, a separate story, a, I believe it was in Atlanta, a, in what the police have confirmed was a racially motivated attack, a, a black man uh, killed two white men. He went up to one, shot him in the back of the head, uh, and the man later died of his injuries in the hospital. A few hours later, he went to a quick mart, shot another white man in the back of the head, and then shot him again uh, when he was on the ground, and the guy died at the scene. Um, and you don't hear about that story. I know that story because on I saw it on Twitter and was able to read the local news story. So whenever there's a sto- those stories like that, it's always a local news issue. But whenever it's a white on black issue, it becomes a national story. So yeah. it's it's extremely hypocritical. I'm all for shining a spotlight on instances of violence when anyone does it. Like, yes, let's call it out. But when you see how selective they are, it becomes increasingly obvious how biased and manipulative this is. This is why it pisses me off so much. So, you know, it's, it's so important that like on this show that we bring light to these stories because sadly, SB, I don't think many other people are, you know, and again, I keep going back to being so thankful for Elon running Twitter because that story I just shared just a, a, a moment ago, I would never have heard that story in the previous regime. So um, it's so important that we draw attention to this um, because we, we definitely have a media and a, you know, a Democrat party that are intertwined with each other and really just forcing a narrative in our heads to, you know, you know, incite violence, incite division for their own political gain. Yeah. Well, let's um, let's finish it off with uh, with a bright note. We have an update on the Bud Light story. So for anybody, I mean, we look, if you, if, if you don't know about Bud Light, you, you do have your head in the sand. But essentially, for those of you who don't, um, they came out in support of Dylan Mulvaney, the transgender activist, I guess. I mean, we we said that he is very demeaning to women acting kind of like a caricature um, to the extreme of women, which I think is very demeaning to them. Um, so. Yeah, so we we were not happy with that, and we were not the only ones. Uh, most people uh, who follow us, who were conservative in general, aren't drinking Bud Light. And look, like you know, I again, like you know, I'm I'm on this. The, you know, I I listened to the investment analysis, and I was looking at Bud and and the stock and whatnot. And you had kind of the naysayers and the doubters that said this wouldn't be a problem for them, and even if the Bud Light brand doesn't sell as much, it'll be short term, and they have other brands. But, you know, TB, it's it's actually happening. Um, people are drinking much less Bud Light. There's numbers that are out. Um, companies track uh, the sales. And Bud Light sales are down 26% on a, on a, on a rolling, uh, I think, four-week basis. So it's happening. The data's out there. And then we have guys like Clay Travis who, who did an experiment. But he has a video up of he was at an event in Nashville. And there was a cooler of three different beers. Uh, I think Bud Light, Michelob Ultra, and some other beer. And he said, look, I'll, I'll check back this in three hours and see uh, what's happened. And he opens, I know it's it's daytime and he first took the first video. And the second video, it's nighttime. He said it's like three hours later. And only Bud Light's left in the cooler. So, you know, this is following what, what we said on the pod, what we said to each other, what I said to a lot of other people. I'm sure you said the same. Um, I'm never drinking a Bud Light product again. I don't care if they apologize and they haven't yet, but I don't care if they apologize. It's about sending a message that if you, if you go woke, you're going to get broke. Conservatives finally have a winning battle because, you know, like, and Matt Walsh made this point and I thought it was really smart that, you know, conservatives can't really boycott Nike because they're not the main ones buying Nike products. And, you know, as much as uh, I would like to say that we could do this, it's not like it's not like people are going to boycott the NFL and NBA. I mean, that's too ingrained in U.S. culture. People are going to watch sports, but 
if we're watching sports, we don't have to drink Bud Light. We don't have to drink Budweiser. So I am just so pumped that this happened. I mean, even Donald Trump Jr. was coming out there and saying, like, don't support this because Budweiser supports Republicans. Screw that. I'm definitely supporting the boycott. So, you know, as much as I liked those Bud Light platies in college, and, and we had a number of uh, fun <laughs> nights with those, uh, at least the ones you can remember, never drinking it again. Can't do it. Won't do it. Bud Light's dead to me. Yeah. Well, it's it's so interesting, SB, because I'm not, honestly like when the story first broke out. Yes, I was more intentionally that I was thinking about boycotting them. But now, like, I, I truly like have stopped thinking about it. And just like subconsciously, when I see Bud Light now, I just like look past it and just look for something else. And it's, it's just kind of wild that I, I, I really think the damage is done because now I've just associated Bud Light with you know, woke trans virtue signaling, um, you know, the, the VP of marketing basically insulted the entire Bud Light consumer base and said that they wanted to uh, remove themselves from that and uh, appeal to a different audience. So one shows Bud Light has no respect for their, for their consumer base. Um, they've always been about American greatness and the Clydesdales. Like they always were like that big American brand, but you know, the damage is done. I know they've changed the marketing and now the CEO of Anheuser-Busch is claiming that this was a rogue marketing team, but I'm sorry, like the damage is done. And I think you're absolutely right, SB. Like we need to put like, you know, push, you know, the pedal to the metal because it's not, it's more than just Bud Light. We have gone now through a, probably close to a decade of corporations woke virtue signaling and telling us that we are, irredeemable people for not thinking in those ways for thinking differently uh we've been belittled by them and it's time to 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 send a a message that you know we are not going to stand for that um i think this message you know it's it's not just being sent to bud light i think it's being sent to the entire country that we don't like to be talked that talked down to we don't like to be uh virtue signaled at and lectured about who we should be and how we should think we just want to drink a beer and have fun. That's how, you know, we look at companies to provide us a service and that's it. You know, a majority of the companies I, I buy from are probably liberal and I could care less. If they make a good product, I'm going to buy from them. But if they lecture me, I don't want, I don't want a part of that. So I think this has been a a great story. It's a little sad that Anheuser-Busch has so many, uh, you know, sub beers underneath them. I, you know, I think they have like Modelo and, um, you know, all the ones that are ranked below Bud Light, I think Anheuser-Busch also owns. So, like, they're not being punished too bad, but the Bud Light sales are directly suffering from it. And Bud Light's their number one revenue generator. So it's definitely hurting them. Um, I, I, I'm all for it. Like, it was absolutely egregious that they even went in that direction. And I hope it sends a message to other companies that just stay out of politics. Like, we don't need just because you sell a good product doesn't make you more enlightened about life or about politics. Like there's no place for it. It's highly inappropriate. So just keep, keep the, just keep it to yourself. And I think, you know, seeing those sales numbers decline week after week, I think that sends the the strongest message. Yeah. And, and even on that, I mean, when, when was the, when was the last time that a company took a right wing stance? Not that we're asking them to, because we're not, but it's interesting how if a company takes a public stance, it's 100% pro-left positions. So, yeah, we're, we're making the point that, like, look, we're not asking you to come out. I don't know what would you – know, you know, we're not asking Bud Light to come out with a com- campaign saying they support, um, like, they're pro-life and they're anti-abortion. Um, but we're not asking them to do that. And – Man, you know that if any company came out and did that, the left would boycott them in a second. So I don't want to hear from the left that we're being babies about this. And they tried to kind of pull that on us that, oh, like, why conservatives with their guns, why do they care so much about a, a thing of Bud Light? They're obsessed with this. No, this is about sending a message. It's, it's a pinpoint message. Um, we executed it. We sent it. And like you said, it's, it's companies are going to think twice about doing this again. Um, I don't care. Yeah, it's like, look, Anheuser-Busch is going to be fine. The company makes tons of money. I mean, if, if they have a little bit of a dip in the stock, it doesn't really matter. 
that much for them as a big company. But it's not only Anheuser-Busch that is going to understand Bud Light sales are declining. A lot of other companies are going to see this as well and going to go, all right, I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have second thoughts about being outspoken about my left positions. And, and I would bring it back to it's the same thing where <clears throat> uh, on Twitter, Elon makes this point. If you're at risk of being community noted with a hashtag at the gaslighting, you're going to think twice about putting out some egregiously false tweet, for example, about how, you know, you might have been the head of the teachers union and you were saying we should go back to school in mid 2020. So, like, that's going to get out. Uh, you know, that's going to happen more. Um, companies taking political stances is going to happen less. Like, let's, um, let's end the show on a positive note because a lot of times we don't, but. Positive thing, positive things brewing in uh, the woke antidote world, I think, and um, I think we're we're very happy with that. And um, yeah, I mean, you got you got anything else to add before we wrap up? No, I'll just say that when we first started this show on one of our first episodes, USB came up with the uh, the great hashtag defunding the woke, and it was more of like a you know we were you know capturing you know smaller stories on a much smaller scale. And it was more of a prediction of where we thought the world was going to go because of our faith in humanity and common sense. And, you know, you continue to look like Nostradamus these days because you <laughs> called that. You called Tucker Carlson going to Twitter. So, um, man, I, I need to start asking you uh, some some sports bets. And, uh, you know, maybe we can uh, I won't need to do this show or do my daytime job <laughs> yeah true i gotta start making some money off this man what a man i mean and hey speaking of that actually if you are listening to the show and you want to advertise with us i might, we might as well say that um we're open we're open now so if you're a non-woke company out there looking to reach a potential audience of non-woke uh listeners then by all means uh follow us on twitter and drop us a message and we'll respond to it um great great uh transition there tv that was good yeah. Um, yeah, but, but yeah, beyond that, man, I think, um, I think, I think we're pretty good. I think we kept it tight and I think probably we'll, we'll see you listeners pretty decently soon. Yeah, this was a, a great one SB and, uh, yeah, please, uh, like, and subscribe a five-star review really does help us. Um, and yeah, we're, we are getting some advertising buzz these days. So, um, like SB said, if, if you do have a product that, uh, you'd like to, uh, showcase on the, the woke antidote, please reach out and, uh, you know, we'd love to work.